Good to see you this Lord's Day evening. If you'd open your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 11, Luke 11, we're going to be in verses 29 through 36. Luke 11, 29 through 36. I'll pray real quick and we'll get into it. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for such great worship. We thank you that you have sent your son, Jesus, to live a perfect, sinless life, who died for the sins of those who believe in him, who was buried and raised again, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would get me out of the way and that you would speak, Father, that you'd be glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke 11, 29 through 36. I'll read through the verses and we'll get into it. Verse 29. Now as the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is a wicked generation. It seeks a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at judgment with the men of this generation, and condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Verse 32, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. 33, no one after lighting a lamp puts it away in a cellar, nor under a basket, but on a lampstand, so that those who enter may see the light. The eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is clear, your whole body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body is also full of darkness. Therefore, watch out that the light in you is not darkness. 36. If, therefore, your whole body is full of light, with no dark part in it, it will be wholly illumined, as when the lamp illumines you with its rays. Verse 29, I'll read it again. Now, as the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is a wicked generation. It seeks a sign. And yet no sign will be given but the sign of Jonah. Jesus says this generation, the Jews, uh, they are wicked. They are seeking a sign. Notice earlier in this chapter what they were were, uh, saying to Jesus. And look at the timing of when he says they are wicked, and he gets into this. In verse 18, he says, But if Satan is, but in verse 18, but if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. It's interesting that he doesn't just say it right after them, after them doing that. He says, This is after them, the the crowds were seeking a sign. Um, What is the sign that they seek, and why was it wicked? Perhaps they wanted some type of confirmation that he was God. Um, He did many miracles to this point in his ministry. They still hadn't believed. Hadn't he shown them enough signs? Hadn't he done enough things? Hasn't hasn't his preaching with power like no one has ever seen before? Uh, Yet they still seek a sign. Um, It's almost like they were the ones who would judge or confirm whether he was God or not. It's almost like they were there saying, show us your signs, and we'll be the judge of whether or not you are God. No, he is the great judge, and Scripture affirms it. Jesus calls them wicked because of their unbelieving 
hearts. They seek a sign, or the sign that they seek, or the sign they expect, will, according to them, will not be given to them. The sign that they will receive is the sign of Jonah. Now, what is this sign of Jonah? Now, we see in the parallel uh, text in Matthew's account of this discourse in, in Matthew chapter 12. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it. Matthew chapter 12, 39 and 40. Um, Jesus, in this verse, he goes, But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation eagerly seeks a sign. This is Jesus speaking to them. And yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For Here it is. For just as, this is the sign, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Verse 30. For just as Jonah became a sign of the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man to this generation. It says Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites. When we look in in Jonah, we don't necessarily see that the, the Ninevites knew about him being in the belly of the sea monster. Uh, perhaps that is, the, that is a sign for future generations. We see, we see Jonah, who was a man. He was in the belly of the sea monster. He was in there for three days, three nights. He gets out and preaches judgment, which resulted in repentance. The people, the Ninevites, they turned from evil. They trusted God. For most of the Jews during this time, surely they knew about Jonah. They knew about, about this great thing, this man who was obstinate. He was in the belly of the fish. Um, he came. He repented a, a pretty simple message of judgment, and the Lord did the work. They, they responded in repentance. Um, now, kind of comparing Jesus and Jonah, obviously not in the form of deity, but Jonah was a type a type of Christ. Uh, not the Christ, but he was a type of Christ in that he was a man that God used that would sort of be a shadow of the coming Messiah. And he has done that with different people, Moses, um, different people, characteristics in their life or ministry that pointed to or foreshadowed the coming Messiah. So let's compare Jonah and Jesus in, it, it, kind of in that lens. Jonah was thrown into the sea by the sailors. Christ was delivered to death by the Jews. Jonah was willingly thrown into the sea. He didn't put up a fight. Christ laid down his life. He didn't resist. Jonah, by being cast into the sea, saved those in the ship. Christ, by his death, saves the elect of God. His death, burial, and resurrection saves the elect of God. Jonah was in the belly of the sea monster for three days. It was cast up on the land. Jesus was in the belly of the earth for three days and rose from the grave. Jonah preached judgment resulting in repentance. Jesus preached judgment resulting in repentance. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not saying Jonah is the same as Jesus. I'm saying God used Jonah and his ministry for his purposes to show a similarity before the, the coming Messiah. Now, they knew, about, they knew about Jonah. They knew about this message. Um, unless they were familiar, Unless they were familiar with Old Testament prophecy, concerning the Messiah, the coming Messiah, um, or that they already knew that Jesus was the Savior, they did not yet know, this is going back to that sign of Jonah, in the belly of the fish, three days. So will the Son of Man be in the, in the earth three days. So unless they had already known about this stuff, they did not know that Jesus would be yet buried 
you know, died, buried for three days, and resurrected. But when, it, when he was, that sign was verified. The sign of Jonah in that moment of saying, the, the, um, the sign you will get, he didn't, that wasn't right then and there. Two sentences later, he didn't give him that sign. The sign was after he died, buried, and resurrected. resurrected. So, he, so he rose, and perhaps some of them were walking around like, oh, man, he talked about this. He talked about this with Jonah, and he and the Son of Man coming out of the ground. Just as Jonah became assigned to the Ninevites, Jesus will become or became assigned to them. Um, it was in future tense, this will be, you know, don't mistake me for a big grammar nerd, I'm not, I looked it up. The will be is a future indicative verb. I'm not trying to sound smart, I had a look at Meaning, but, but when you know what that means, it helps you understand it. It means, it's meaning or expressing an action of, of a, it, let me say that again. It is expressing a future action as a statement of fact. So that will be, it's a, it's a future action of a statement of fact. Jesus is saying that he will, with certainly, certainty, be assigned to them as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites. And that, his sign, and that sign will be his death, burial, and resurrection. Verse 31. The queen of the south will rise up at judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater then Solomon is here. Jesus is referencing 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. Um, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but, that, but if you want to go back, that's what he's referencing. Uh, she did not believe the word. So in, in summary, she did not believe the word she heard about the wisdom given to Solomon by God. In fact, she went to test him with riddles. Um, once she had heard... Seen and heard the words of Solomon, she said, she said, the Queen of Sheba, Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel for forever. Therefore he said to you, King, do justice and righteousness. She saw and acknowledged that God was the one who delighted in Solomon and gave him such astonishing wisdom and wealth. Now let's think the Queen of Sheba, she was a, a heathen, pagan Gentile. And even she acknowledged God's work in Solomon's life. She will rise up, it says, in judgment with them, against them. And her conduct and her desire to hear God's, Solomon's God-given wisdom would be brought as evidence against them. These are, these are the Jewish people that are missing. They are not seeing the Messiah and here is a pagan Gentile woman who travels met, you know, a great distance just to hear this wisdom, actually to test him, and then she's put to shame where she sees, basically, I'm wrong. Look at, look at, look at this is true. This is true what I've heard. And she accounts it to God. Her actions condemn them because something greater than Solomon is here. It's Christ, the Messiah. She traveled the uttermost parts of the earth to hear Solomon, yet this generation... These Jews, they have the king of kings in their midst, doing miracles, wonders, preaching with power. Things like repent for the kingdom of God is here. And yet they can't see the sign. Even though all this stuff was prophesied about, 
They miss it. They, they cannot see the sign. We'll get into more of that. Verse 32, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah was here. Even though Jonah, as we mentioned, was a type of the coming Christ, he was still a man. He was imperfect, an imperfect sinner, just like you and I, used by God as a prophet to preach judgment to the Ninevites, which resulted in repentance. Something greater than Jonah is here. You can see in Jonah chapter 3, verse 4, pretty simple message. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And you can see their reaction, what God had done in them through that simple message, through a man, a sinful man, yet they have the sinless man, the God-man in their midst, something greater than Jonah. This generation is shamed by a wicked people, the Ninevites, who responded at an obstinate man's preaching. Again, something greater than Jonah is in their midst, the Son of God. Verse 33. No one... So, we have the sign of Jonah from 29 to 33. And then we have 30 through 36. When I first read this, it almost seems like it's a whole different topic. It almost seems like, okay, we're going into something else. But if you notice between 32 and 33, there's no transition words. There's no therefore. There's no, you know, tr- you know some type of word to transition to a different topic. Um, maybe at first, at first when I read this, it's like, you know, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? It's, it's like an, talking to someone with ADD. Um, but no, this, this is all intertwined, okay? Verse 33, no one, after lighting a lamp, puts it away in a cellar, nor under a basket, but on a lampstand, so that who, those who enter may see the light. Jesus here is describing the purpose of a lit lamp when it's used properly. Its purpose is to make visible, very simple, it's used to make visible what's around it so people can see. It serves, a, light, a lamp that's lit serves no purpose uh, when the light is obscured or kept from being seen by placing it under, you know, in a cellar or in a basket. Um, I wrestled with that verse, trying to understand it in the context of all this, and the best I could come up with is that she's just explaining a lamp that's lit and one that's obscured. Verse 34, the eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. So when your eye is clear, the light is not obscured, and your body is illuminated. When your eye is bad, the light is obscured, you can't see it, you're full of darkness, just like having a lit lamp in the cellar or under a basket. Now, the light is still there. There is still a, there is still a light, an external light, in both cases, whether it's under a basket or it's on the lampstand. The difference is one can see the light and one can't. One has a good eye, or some translations will say clear, uh, and the light shines inwardly. One has a bad eye. No light inwardly, darkness, full of darkness. Your eye is how you see. 
your eye, sorry, your eye or how you see brings light to your body. When your eye, or as he uses this metaphor, the lamp is clear, good, it's lit, your body's full of light. Simple. You can see. If your eye bad or if that lamp is in a basket, your body's full of darkness, straightforward. Your eye is black or white. Your eye's either good or it's bad. It's either lit or not lit. Therefore, your body is either full of light or full of darkness, and it depends on how you see the light. Okay, so what is this light? What is this light? We'll look at some verses in John to answer this question. We'll answer this with Scripture. John, uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. There was a man having been sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. There was the true light which comes into the world enlightens everyone. Jesus. John came to bear witness about the light. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. And this is the judgment, that light has come into the world. And men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to light, so that his deeds be be may be manifested as having been done by God. John 8, 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What is the light? Christ. What obscures the light? What is, what is the, lamp un, the lamp under the basket in the cellar? Unbelief that Jesus says is who he says he is. Unbelief obscures the light. Unbelief keeps you from seeing that Jesus is the light. And, it, and it, your unbelief is what is keeping the light com- coming in you through the gospel. Unbelief is, that, is what is obscuring that. Verse 35, Therefore watch out that the light in you is not darkness. Now listen, we are all born with a bad eye. We are all born with an inability to see the light. None of us, we weren't born seeking it. We weren't born with it. Uh, None of us sought to be full of light. We didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to seek the light. I'm going to seek Christ. God is the one who illuminates the lost sinner. If you are a Christian, God has done the work to allow you to see, to be illuminated, full of light, full of Christ through the gospel. You can't make yourself be full of light. You're a, you either are or you were a dead man lost in your sin, following after the lusts of your own heart, denying the one who made you. That is our condition. That is before Christ. That is our condition from birth because of the fall of Adam. Not seeking the light. You are either illuminated by the light of the gospel or you are in darkness. 
You are either full of darkness or you are illumined by Christ. What is the darkness he speaks of? It's unbelief, rejection of the gospel, separated from God, being a slave to sin, hating Christ. That is the darkness you are in if you would continue to reject this gospel. The darkness of hell for eternity. Verse 36. If therefore your whole body is full of light with no dark part in it, it will be wholly illumined. As when a lamp illuminates you with its rays. So there is no neutrality. There is no partially lit, partially dark. You're either full of light or you're full of darkness. You either are walking in darkness or you're walking in light. You're either a slave of righteousness or you're a slave of sin. So how do these verses connect? Again, like I said, when I first looked at this this passage, it looked like, well, these are two separate things. Uh, 29 through 32, the sign of Jonah. 33 through 36 is you have the light in the eye. How do they connect? So Jesus was harshly rebuking the Jews. Uh, for demanding that Jesus continue to prove or go above and beyond um, his current miracles to prove that he is who he claims to be the Messiah. They were not satisfied with his miracles. They weren't satisfied with his powerful preaching. They ignored the fulfilled the fulfillment of prophecy before their eyes of this Messiah, of the, of the, of the Messiah. Um, the, 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 the fulfillment, the coming to fruition in their midst. And to their shame, Jesus tells them that even this pagan queen of Sheba will condemn them at judgment because she acknowledged God's work. And how something greater than Solomon is here. So their lack of sight will condemn them. Similarly, the men of Nineveh will condemn them because they had eyes to see that Jonah and his preaching was of God. God enabled them to respond. Jonah wasn't the son of God, and he didn't even claim to be. But something greater than Jonah was here, and again, their lack of sight condemns them. The Jews' eye was bad. They could not see the light. They did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They couldn't see that the man performing the miracles, healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching with power that has never been so strong, they couldn't see that he was the Messiah. The one who is able to forgive their sins. Their eye was bad and they were full of darkness. Those who see and believe that Jesus is who he says he is are full of light. It's very simple. Some closing thoughts. You must see that Jesus is God and that he alone can save you. If you do not see that Jesus, if you do not see Jesus as the Christ then your eye is bad, and you are full of darkness. You are under the wrath of God. You're on your way to hell. The reason reason is because you suppress the truth and unrighteousness, and you reject this gospel. Like the Jews of this generation, Jesus is not enough for you. You make excuse after excuse. You demand sign after sign, just like that generation. One day you will bow down before him, begging for mercy, and you'll be found lacking if you continue in this rejection of Christ. I beg you, 
Turn from your sins right now. Come to Christ and live. Turn to the light and live. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do see him, Christ, as God, as the Savior, your eye is good and praise the Lord, you are full of light. Remember, dear saint, if you have responded to the gospel call, repent and believe. That is the call of the gospel. Repent and believe. If you have responded to that, you are truly born again. If you have faith that you cannot save yourself, that you do not have a righteousness that will stand before a holy and just God, that you need the righteousness of Christ, you are, full, you are filled with light. Christ has illumined you, illuminated you, whether you feel it or not at this, at this moment. If you truly believe that, if you are in a weak spot, if you are in a valley, you know you're born again, but think everything is caving down around you. Whether Don't look at your circumstances too hard. You are filled with light. Maybe you've been straying. Maybe you're in the midst of pain and sorrow. Maybe you feel like you're full of darkness. You, According to the word of God, if you believe this gospel and you turn from your sins, you are filled with light. You are illumined by God and have been transferred from the domain of darkness to the domain of light. God is a compassionate father who loves his children and will not abandon them. He is light, and in him there is no darkness. You are in no better hands if you have responded in faith and believe this and turn from your sins. Cling to him and do not let go. Whether you are in the highest peak or the lowest valley, cling to him, cling to his promises, keep marching. We're marching to Zion, like that, that beautiful hymn. We're in war. Start acting like it. We are in war, spiritual war. You can trust God. He is good. So how are you filled with this light? Like I said, it's by responding to the gospel in faith, turning from your sins, turning to a holy God who can save you. It's abandoning your own self-righteousness, abandoning sin. Trust God. So what about you? Are you like that wicked generation who cannot see that Jesus is the Christ? Your problem, like I mentioned, is not a lack of evidence. Your problem is not that the Jesus of this Bible is what you expect. Your problem is not that your your problem is that your eye is bad and how great the darkness is inside of you for rejecting the gospel. You must see that Jesus is the light and has come into the world. That he is who he says he is, and that he alone can rescue you from your sins, from your hell-bound estate, depraved, sinful state. His sign, his death, burial, and resurrection demands a response. and He commands all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. So in closing, to the Christian, I'll echo the words of Paul to the Ephesians, to the Ephesians. For you were formerly darkness. You were formerly darkness. But now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. And to the lost sinner amongst us, I'll echo what we just read. Therefore, watch out that the light in you is not darkness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the light that has come in. We thank you for Jesus Christ, who we all 
rejected, and some still do. Father, we pray that you would grant repentance and faith to those who are outside, to those who do not believe, Lord. I pray that they would see their terrible, their terrible state in front of you, God, and that you would break their hearts and that they would believe you and turn from their sins, God. Father, I pray that you would encourage us believers, Father, that we would die to self and be changed, God, and that we'd be made more like Christ. We pray that you'd be glorified in all that we say, do, and think. In Jesus' name, amen.